A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. The Zone. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, in Wisconsin agriculture, like many, keeping an eye on the world situation as we start a Monday, the final Monday of February. As a matter of fact, good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Everybody's still watching hourly developments between Russia, the Ukraine, and the rest of the world. It does have an impact on Wisconsin agriculture big time if you're still looking for fertilizer. Aaron Zimmerman's got a story about that coming up this morning. Weather-wise, Stumacher Ag Meteorologist is also coming up, and he should have a pretty big smile on his face for the forecast he gets to deliver us this week. Today, we'll start off with partly sunny skies, 40 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds and 43. Wednesday, clouds and 45. Thursday, cloudy and 35. Cloudy on Friday and 40 degrees, but not a bad weather outlook overall. You know, we talk about... uh, getting ready to get out there and be active again. You know, you got to keep your eyes out for Wisconsin insects. Yes, summer's still around like Wisconsin ticks. We'll try to talk about that with P.J. Leash, our University Extension entomologist. And a quick recap on the very successful Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. That's coming your way as well. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Whether that fire hits your house or your barn, it's never, it always upends your whole life and takes a lot of toll for getting your life back in order. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire, speaking from personal experience with our house burned in 1991. Stephanie, you have some updates and some plans for taking care of these tragedies that might happen. That's right, Jill. And unfortunately, it's this time of year, late winter or early spring, that is really the prime time for egg building fires. This is because your feedstuffs are very dry, your heaters are on, dust is building up, and rodents are sheltering in your buildings, wreaking some havoc. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, and I talked to Pittsville Fire Chief Jerry Miner. He shares with me actions you can take today to prevent a barn fire. And if there is a fire, he says, have a plan in place. During the winter months, we see things like thawing out uh, water pipes, uh, electrical issues, because electrical systems might be overloaded. They're not properly set up for that structure. Those are pretty common things in barns, areas where there's a lot of uh, mechanical things going on, maybe in milk houses, things like that. Uh, electrical problems uh, are something that uh, people need to look at. How old is the wiring in your barn? Chances are, if you have an old complex, you have the original wiring, which might have been fine in 1952. But today, the equipment that we use draws more power, so those systems aren't real, weren't designed for the type of uses that we have today. So 
you know, inspecting your electrical service in a barn is, is pretty important, pretty important stuff. And remind people, too, it's not just old buildings that are at risk for fires. Yeah, and again, if you put up a new structure, I, I make assumptions that you've used a licensed electrician and built things as close as you can to code. If you're not an electrician, you shouldn't be wiring things, and we do see that from time to time. That's where we, when, when you deviate from the, the standard or you deviate from the code, that's where problems develop. People might think that they can take shortcuts with electric, electrical issues, and you really you really can't. So in the wintertime, those are some of the, the bigger issues that we see. Thawing out water pipes, if that happens, people have used a variety of uh, methods to thaw out pipes, of which a lot of them are not safe to do. If you're going to be doing any of these things, you need to closely monitor it. You can't turn the heater on and walk away. That's where people get into trouble as well. And Jerry, there's more hazards on the farm that can cause issues that can be prevented. Well, you know, other things related to fires on farms, chemical uh, storage, gasoline, petroleum product storage, where you keep that stuff. One of the other things in, in sheds and, and in barns as well is uh, storage of chemicals, uh, storage of flammables. They should be stored properly. In other words, in an area away from animals, in an area away from the barn. If they're stored in a shed, they should be kept separate from other things. One of the, uh, matter of fact, a recent fire that our neighbors had that we were working on was related to charging batteries. And in the wintertime, we do a lot of that. Well, if you're going to have a battery tender or a battery charger running on something, we, we need to keep an eye on that as well. You know, batteries uh, take a lot of abuse in the wintertime. So uh, having things plugged in, uh, again, you need to monitor that kind of stuff. So doing hot work, uh, welding grinding, those types of things in your farm shop. Make sure that the area is clear uh, from anything that's going to, you know, ignite. Now, you certainly don't want to be grinding in the area where you store your fuels and, and things like that. You're just inviting a problem when that happens. You know, one of the other big issues with farms or fires in general in the wintertime are our heating systems. Outdoor wood burners are great gets the fire out of the house. If you have a heating system where you have open flame in a stove, wood burner, whatever, inside your shop, you have fire inside the building, which you can make safe. You know, make sure your the area around the stove is policed well. You don't have stuff there that can, when a spark falls out, it's not going to ignite everything on the floor. You need to have space around that heater, that furnace. Make sure the chimney is cleaned regularly, at minimum of once a month. There are other ways to heat buildings, and anytime we, we have heaters going, we should, again, do proper maintenance on them. If your furnace system hasn't seen uh, maintenance in five years, it's a long overdue. And before this conversation we're having today, Jerry, I didn't realize just how flammable dust is, and any spark can really set that aflame. Dust itself is always an issue on a farm. I don't care whose farm you're on. Housekeeping is always an issue. Dust creates multiple problems. If dust is exposed to an, an ignition source, it's, it's probably going to light. When it lights, it creates an explosion, which also brings down more dust. So doing good housekeeping uh, is important to prevent those kinds of problems. So we have one explosion when the, when the dust ignites, a second explosion 
when it shakes the rest of the dust off the timbers, it's just kind of a chain reaction thing. So again, policing the area, keeping things as clean as possible are, are always, always, any time of the year, uh, important issues. But Jerry, what if something does happen? How should people respond? How should farmers respond to it? Having fire protection systems available, uh, and what I'm referring to is the proper size and type of fire extinguishers. A fire extinguisher is not a prevention tool. The fire extinguisher doesn't uh, prevent the fire from happening. It's what you use when prevention didn't, didn't work or you didn't follow the rules. So having adequate fire extinguishers present, and when I say adequate for large barns, I would not have anything less than a 20-pound ABC-type extinguisher. Have it mounted in areas where you can get quick access, in other words, near doorways. So if you walk into that shed and you've got smoke and, and flames coming from another location, you can grab the extinguisher by the door before you enter the building any further. If the extinguisher is buried somewhere on, in your workshop, you'll never find it in time to do any good. Putting them in code in, in businesses, we want them within 75 feet of any doorway. And the same thing should apply on a farm. Keeping the fire extinguisher serviced is important. At least once a year, you should have them serviced by a, a qualified person. At a minimum, because they're in sheds and barns, they are exposed to a lot of moisture and things like that. You should inspect them yourself. Make sure that the hose and nozzles are, are free from debris. You can take a, an extinguisher, tip it upside down, pound on it with a rubber mallet to make sure the powder inside it is not settled. Those are things you can do on your own, but at least once a year you should have them serviced by a qualified technician. How many extinguishers is, should you have? Well, how much property do you have to protect? and what size of the buildings that you have to protect is, is where the answer lies. Having extinguishers on equipment is a very good idea. We see harvesting equipment and tractors primarily that have fires. Harvesting equipment, combines for example, fires on combines are related to, again, dust accumulation, grease and oil buildup. That's where we see a lot of those ignite. Now granted, you can have uh, fires and engines and things like that, but those pieces of equipment require pretty much nightly maintenance. If you've been harvesting all day, you need to clean the thing off at the end of the day so that we don't get an accumulation of dust and, and grease and things that when you put them all together uh, start fires. I don't like those little two and a half pound, you know, put them on my boat. Uh, extinguishers. They just don't have enough power behind them. A 10-pounder on a combine or, or you know, a 5-pounder on a tractor, you're protecting a piece of equipment that's a half a million dollars. Why wouldn't you have some fire protection on it, that is my question. And quite often when we get called to these things, they didn't have an extinguisher available for them that they may have been able to suppress the fire and, and not need uh, the fire department services. And Jerry, before we got into this interview, you told me that the fire department does not have the authority to come on a farm and do an inspection like they do with commercial entities. So actually being invited out to the farm is important for you guys to get familiar with farms in the area. We encourage the rural fire service, get involved with the farms in your area. In other words, the only way you're going to get on that farm to look at it from a fire department perspective is if you're invited out to it. The farmer is absolutely encouraged to contact the local fire department and, and ask them, hey, would you guys like to come out for a tour 
uh, you can see where all my stuff is. And how would you set up on a farm? Uh, farms are unique locations. Quite often we pull into a farmyard and space is, a, is a, an issue. Where do we set up? Where are the power lines? Where are the power shutoffs? Where's the chemical storage? All of these things can be identified ahead of time. Uh, at the Farm Center, we have a program called Farm Mapper, where you pre-plan a farm. We take an aerial view of the farm, and then we, we, we put uh, icons on our map to show us where the hazards are and where the things are that we need to know. The fire department and the, and the farmer is a partnership that we highly uh, encourage uh, departments to create. We're used to going and looking at an industry uh, as to how am I going to fight a fire in that in that uh, property. We need to do the same thing on farms. Right. It's better to have the fire department out on the farm for a tour than fighting a fire that could have been prevented. That's Pittsville Fire Chief Jerry Miner with some great information on how to prevent a barn fire. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Haw. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. Some jewelry stores try to dazzle you with gigantic showrooms and tons of inventory, but honestly, you don't want to pay for the jewelry store. You want to pay for your custom piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry is proud of their quaint location and modest reputation for keeping their overhead low and their prices affordable. Allow William Thomas Custom Jewelry to help you create that one-of-a-kind piece. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Yep, let's-
Let's get that positive mojo going on a Monday morning, the last Monday of February. But I'll tell you what, the good news is our forecast doesn't look much like February. It's time for our Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu Mock joining us this morning. I was telling Stu that I pounded out a bunch of miles this weekend, had an appointment in Eau Claire, and then a retirement party another 100 miles north of that. They've got more snow up in northwest Wisconsin, well, at least as of yesterday. But I'll tell you what, with the temperature, we've got coming Stu. there's going to be a lot of snow dissipating pretty quick there's going to be a lot of snow melting pam and you look back toward that northwest part of wisconsin as you look toward eau claire especially a little more likelihood to see some precipitation in a few days and there could be just a little new snow out of that all right any new snow will be as well with temperatures that are well into the mid 30s so it's going to be a little more wet and sloppy may not stay around all that long Let's look at today, a very nice start to the week, no doubt. In fact, a bit of a warm front being drawn north in Wisconsin today. What will happen? A couple of clippers will swing in out of the northwest. There's just a little lake effect snow falling now. Lake Superior, north central Wisconsin, the UP of Michigan. If there is some snow, it may make its way almost as far south as Highway 29. Yet by late today, I don't expect it'll do much more than that. But at the Eau Claire area, that possibility for just a few snow flurries as we start looking on through Tuesday, uh, Tuesday afternoon or evening, and then the real clipper drops on in. A little more likelihood we all may see just a little rain or a rain-snow mix as we wrap up Tuesday night or head into the day Wednesday. But very mild temperatures around. In the south, it does stay drier. Uh, Madison, and especially a bit further south, almost no chance of precipitation on toward midweek. Very mild temperatures, cooling a bit toward Thursday, and quite likely a little more precipitation heading on toward Friday as well. I'll have forecast details right after this. Steffes Group has been selling land and the equipment to farm at the Steffes way since 1960. In 2021 alone, they conducted over 700 auctions across 12 states, both live and online. If you have land or farm and construction equipment to sell, give them a call. They'd love to hear from you. Visit steffesgroup.com right now for upcoming auctions in your area or nationwide, including photo and complete equipment descriptions. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Go check them out today. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. And from Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. All righty, Stu, let's have a couple more details. I mean, really, this forecast, uh, it, it sounds good to me all the way around. Yeah, mild temperature is a real big part here, Pam. So our Compure Financial Ag weather update is for more of a partly sunny sky today and certainly mild. A lot of us around 40, but then you start looking toward Madison and even La Crosse, 45 or better today. Southeast winds 5 to 10, becoming west and northwest a bit later in the day. Overnight, mostly cloudy. And I expect those temps uh, dropping down, oh, the warmest about 30 in southern Wisconsin, maybe some mid-20s elsewhere with the southwest winds about 5 to 10. Tuesday, more partly sunny skies. In the northwest, there may be that very light rain or some snowflakes toward late in the day. The rest of us stay pretty mild, low to mid-40s. West winds becoming north about 5. Wednesday, a little more likely with cloudy skies to see a little precipitation. Some sprinkles or flurries early in the day, a little light snow as it ends, especially in the north. 
Not much in the south. Uh, upper 30s and low 40s for highs. And uh, winds out of the west about 5 to 10. And cooling a little bit for Thursday, Pam. I'd say a lot of upper 20s are only a 30 or so here and there. And then maybe a little new snow chance to wrap up the week. All right. We'll see how that comes along. Good enough, Stu. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. See ya. Stu Greg, meteorologist with a quick update on what's happening with weather. I'm just taking a quick glance at current temperatures around the state of Wisconsin. Looks like everybody is ranging probably in the mid to upper 20s, but a better better warm-up coming our way. Your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Monday brought to you by Compure Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Weather can have a significant impact on your lawn and landscape. Repairing it is as easy as having Kalani Topsoil deliver the perfect seed-friendly shredded blend of topsoil to smooth out your lawn, leaving you with the most eye-catching landscape in the neighborhood. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. I've had the opportunity to be involved in several programs in the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, one of which was the Farm Bureau Institute. It's a great leadership program to help develop leadership skills, whether it's social media skills or the opportunity to speak to legislators and learn different ways and tools you can use to help get your message across. WFBF.com. They've really helped my leadership development. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When someone breaks important safety rules and drives negligently, a crash is often the result. If you're caught in a crash because another driver broke the rules, it can feel unfair, and for good reason. It's not fair when you're injured through no fault of your own. It's not fair when your life is now very different. We can help. At Clifford and Rihala, after decades of helping people injured because someone else broke the rules, we know what you're going through and we're ready to stand by you. Here you'll find caring, compassionate attorneys committed to helping you recover everything you've lost. If you've been in a crash, call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim. We'll fight to make things right so that now you're treated fairly. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. This is Dave Gary with the Princeton Clubs. Since 1987, my team and I have had a couple of goals. Make it really simple for everyone to get started with fitness and keep our world-class facilities available at affordable rates. Well, we've done just that. And over 35 years, I've learned one really important thing. It all starts with you. If you'll decide now is the time to get in shape, we'll help you get there. I promise. 
At the Princeton Clubs, there's no joining fee. We keep our clubs open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and include free childcare. Our world-class facilities offer almost everything possible and are meticulously cleaned and maintained. We provide an amazing environment to help motivate you, and more importantly, it allows you to feel comfortable while you're improving your health. Now, more than ever, taking care of our bodies, both physically and mentally, it's so important. Come see why we've been voted Madison's best and favorite health club year after year, the Princeton Club, for a better tomorrow. To activate a free trial pass, go to princetonclub.net. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few. The proud. The Marines. Rock bottom price is gonna roll them out the door. You gotta go to Goldman, you get more. Goldman cars, rock and roll. Goldman cars, you gotta go to Goldman. Having a huge winter sale with the largest selection of vehicles under $15,995 or $249 per month. That's right, don't miss out on our winter sale with the best selection of SUVs, cars, or vans under $15,995 or $249 per month. We have one of the largest selections of inventory in Dane County with over 500 vehicles in stock. Goldman Cars has been family owned and operated for over 50 years. So just come on in and ask for me, Crystal the Pistol Goldman. East side, west side, used cars, used truck, discount deals, find them here. Goldman Cars, you gotta go to Goldman, GoldmanCars.com. All right, so, Rowdy, when it comes to Rogers, Greg Jennings now, I think, he's, the iron's hot. He's gonna strike. I'm gonna get more people on my side and talk a little smack about Rogers. So, Greg Jennings was on the First Things First, FS1. And let's just hear a little bit from Greg. I am a little surprised, believe it or not. Um, I'm surprised because when I listened to Aaron Rodgers after the, the, the playoff loss against the 49ers, some of his comments were alluding to what we're talking about right now, like the contract situations of not only himself, but some of those teammates that, would, that he would consider in his decision, they would play a role in whether or not he would decide to come back to Green Bay. And now all of a sudden, you're trying to take a large chunk of the pie, knowing that Devontae Adams is out there, a guy that you want to play with, if you are to come back to Green Bay, knowing that Robert Tunyon is out there, a guy that you also want to play with, knowing all these things that if you are to take this amount of money, and Nick, you're the resident GM, so you're, I'm going to let you handle the salary yeah. cap and all the things, but you understand <laughs> what this would mean and what this does to your personnel. You potentially will have to get rid of some guys. And so for me, this is a little like, wait, I, we could have done this last year and then figured out a way to, to then tie up Devontae this year, but now... All of a sudden, it's it's about the money. And I, I I go back, and I hate to do this. No, he loves it. But I go back to personal experiences. And that, when you when you have a personal... Oh, hang on one second. I want to pause it there before he gets back to his personal experience. Yes. This is, this is 
Greg Jennings' bread and butter. His personal experience with Aaron Rodgers. Now, earlier in the show, I did say that the one thing that this is a bad look for Aaron Rodgers is the fact that he said it's all it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he wants to make sure all of his guys come back here. And it's kind of like talking out of both ends of your mouth because he, from all accounts, it doesn't sound like he's going to take a pay cut. No. But he wants all this stuff to be. And I... I did comment on that and kind of criticize yeah, him. Totally, like, as I was you like, should. Hey, th- yeah, he's definitely talking out of both sides of his mouth, but I can't fault him for wanting all the money, but you can't come out yeah. publicly and then say all the other stuff. You can't fault Rodgers for wanting it because he's the MVP of the league. He's like, I'm the most valuable player. Pay me. But at the same time, as Rowdy said, and I agree, you can't say then, well, we need a competitive team and go for a Super Bowl when I'm garnering all this money. But when I was listening to Greg Jennings talk there. Wait for the personal experience. You know what I was thinking of the whole time while he was describing the situation? What's the sister think? No. When Greg Jennings was going through that entire situation of Aaron Rodgers wanting his guys back and having to, you know, share some money so that other guys got paid. Mm-hmm. It instantly made me go back to Greg Jennings playing days with the Packers where they had all those wide receivers. They had all of those skilled players, and they had to kind of pick and choose. Like Donald Driver was retiring. Did they have to? Were they going to extend Greg Jennings? You know what I'm saying? Like there was a lot of different options that they had. Yeah. Were they going to extend Jordy Nelson? What were they going to do with Jermichael Finley? Like they had a lot of questions there on their offensive side. Well, it all kind of worked out. Yeah. One guy's going to retire. One guy's going to break his neck. We're going to sign one guy. We're going to let. <laughs> like it kind of worked it's out. Not a lot. No, yeah, one guy's going to break his neck. It's going to work itself. But out. you know what I'm saying? It yeah. kind of worked itself out. Yeah. Well, this one, all I could think of was Greg Jennings on the field. One of their wasn't it one of their last games where didn't wasn't there an interaction between Rodgers and Jennings and Rodgers basically told him, He's not playing here anymore. You're not going to be playing here next yeah, Rogers year. Rodgers like you're done. You're yeah. out of here. And you're out of here. He wasn't in that exclusive circle like the Devontae Adams and the and the Jordy yep. Nelsons. Yep. And he basically got told. Yep. Like you're kicked to the curb. Rogers. Yeah, it wasn't. It was like one of the last games. It was like, in what, yeah. He's like, well, he's like, well, he was you're bitching. not going to be here. Goes, well, you're not going to be here next year. Yeah. And Greg was like, and Greg Jennings was taken back because like, he wanted a contract like, to, the Vikings. to stay with the Packers goes to the Vikings. And then him and Aaron Rodgers had that. All I could think of was him talking about that Good was memory, him being Rowdy. a little butthurt because he wasn't on the inside. Good memory. I, that's probably where it all stemmed from. Uh, by the way, you're not going to be here anymore. Here is Greg Jennings' personal Which is experience. By, by the way, pretty, pretty. You must not like a guy if you tell him to his face. By the way, you're not going to be here next yeah, year. Yeah. Hey. 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 Uh, Greg, come here. Hey. Hey. Because yeah, you're not going to be here anymore. Even if it's like a teammate where he's not like your best friend, but you don't like you don't have yeah, any you're beef not with say, them. Like, you like you hang out with them during the season. And you're like, yeah, whatever. You're not going to be like, dude. You're not coming back this year. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, those sexy tractors could be out on roadways this week with improved weather conditions. I think there's a lot of barnyard cleanup that's coming our way. Today, cloudy skies and 40 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy and 43. Wednesday, cloudy and 45. Thursday, cloudy, 35. But then we bounce back up to 40 degrees under cloudy skies on Friday as well. So today is the final day of February, February 28th. On this day in 2013, Pope Benedict resigned his position as leader of the Catholic Church. Now, you have to remember, Pope Benedict was uh, the oldest person to be elected pope since back in the 1700s. Pope Benedict 
said he was stepping down because of his deteriorating strength due to old age. Today, he's 94 years old and serving, he says, through a life dedicated to prayer. But he resigned on this day back in 2013. On this day in 1991, the first Gulf War ended. It lasted a little over a half a year. It was an armed conflict. It claimed over 100,000 civilian casualties. The first Gulf War ended on this day in 1991. Happy birthday to actress Bernadette Peters. She turned 74 today. And now you know. What do we know about the Russian-Ukrainian conflict and its impact on Wisconsin agriculture, agribusiness, and our consumers? Well, we know transportation is getting more difficult, that's for sure. Aaron Zimmerman joins us this morning with the latest update on how the Russian-Ukraine conflict is impacting our world. But we continue to see rises in fertilizer prices and inputs, and this conflict in Russia and Ukraine isn't really helping anything at the moment. Here today with Josh Linville. He's director of fertilizer with Stonex. Now, Josh, first of all, let's talk about, I guess, before any of this really started the way it is now, we were having some issues with, you know, our fertilizer and things when it came to these couple countries. Yeah, it's a, it was always a big worry. You know, when we look at, take Russia, for example, they are a major export of all three of the majors, uh, nitrogen, phosphate, and potash. And so there was always a little bit of worry. And, you know, you see them in the news and would they or wouldn't they? That fear was always lingering around, but until something actually happened, it was more of a conversation piece. Well, now that we've actually seen the action, now that we've actually seen Russia roll into the Ukraine, now that fear has gone into fever pitch, and we have definitely seen that in the prices. Well, and you know, you mentioned that it's interesting that obviously there's a lot of uncertainty in what's going on and a lot of, I guess, emotion playing into kind of some of the things that we're really seeing. Yeah, and that's something we talked to several people about was just the fact that, hey, at this point, yeah, it's scary. We're uh, we're we're kind of used to a more peaceful world, and all of a sudden, starting to see one nation take over another. That's scary, and especially when that nation could be sanctioned by half the world or most of the world. But we weren't seeing those sanctions yet. We weren't seeing exports stop from Russia or anything like that. Now, today, it's a little bit different even yet. Uh, we're starting to see more and more reports of some of these ships that are out on the Black Sea are getting hit with missiles or projectiles or whatever they want to call the term. That's going to make it really hard to find ships willing to pull through that region. That's a big, uh, that's a big area for moving grains. It's a big area for moving fertilizers. And put yourself in the shoes of a captain. Are you willing to go put a ship in somewhere where there are reports that ships are getting hit with, quote-unquote, projectiles? You can read between the lines. You know what that means. You're not going there. So that could actually start to hinder some of the fertilizer shipments around the world here for at least the foreseeable future. Sure. And I'm glad, you know, you bring that up, being, you know, with the shipping, those kind of things, having some issues. You know, these sanctions on Russia and the problems that are happening over there, the conflict, you know, obviously we're seeing it reflected in commodity prices and fertilizer prices and everything. You know, we're seeing ups, downs, all kinds of stuff. But let's talk a little bit, you know, a little bit more about, too, why that is. What are some of these things that are going to, I guess, maybe change prices or, you know, even limit supply of that fertilizer that we can get access to? Yeah, it's uh, right now. I think of the, uh, a big question that's being asked of me is, you know, are, are we going to be tight? I, that's the biggest question. Are we going to have enough here in the U.S. in order in North America to get through our planting here this spring? And I think ultimately the answer is yes. Uh, we're actually well ahead on our imports for urea. I think we've got enough on the phosphate side. Obviously, prices have been moving up there, but we've got adequate supply. Uh, potash is the same thing. UAN is the same way. 
I think we'll have enough here, but we have to look at it from a price perspective. Because we're part of this world market, if the entire world starts to get snug, let's say we lose that shipping channel to the Black Sea, that is going to start to hinder the amount of supply that's out in the world. That will move prices up, and we have to keep going up with the world or else we run the risk of exporting product and losing that available supply that we have. So yeah, long answer short, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about logistics, not only here in North America, and around the wor- but around the world. But ultimately, I think we'll be okay as long as we don't start losing anything. Well, and, it, you know, if those things start to happen and we start to lose things, not only, I guess, is it a concern right now and with prices right now, but it also, you know, could spill over into next year and into the future as well. Absolutely. And this is just going to continue to raise that uncertainty around the world. Everything for the last years and years and years that we've almost taken for granted, now all of a sudden we're like, wow, uh, we can't really do that. We can't just assume that we're going to be able to get ships whenever we want to. We can't assume that we're going to get product when we want to. That uncertainty is going to weigh in the back of the mind of this marketplace, and it's going to be something usually fear means higher prices. Anything else that you'd like to add or any, I guess, advice that you'd give to those that are, you know, kind of looking into the future, wondering what's really going to be going on? Yeah, the biggest thing I've been trying to tell people, and and this is be a bit of a soapbox, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to run their organization. But we are very big fans of saying when it comes time to making the decision, when you have to make a call on what to do or what not to do, do everything possible. Set aside that emotion. Fear, anger, these are things that kind of cloud our judgment. If you can, you know, take a good, hard, calm look at it and just make the best decision for you. Don't worry about other ones around you. Don't worry about what things are going on. Just look at the hard numbers. And if it works, it works. Make that decision. If it doesn't work, live to fight another day. Try to make a very unemotional decision in these markets because right now, trust me, that that fear, that emotion, that can cloud your judgment very quickly. For sure. Well, again, that's Josh Linville. He's the director of fertilizer with Stonex, looking at some things that are going on in our global marketplace with fertilizer being the conflict with Ukraine and Russia at the moment. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. Thanks, Aaron. In overnight trade, because of that conflict, we are still seeing the Dow Jones Industrial Average tumble. Well, commodities are firm this morning. March corn right now is up 22. December new crop up 15 at 595. March soybeans are up 43 cents. November beans up 26 cents, 1441. The wheat for March is up 55 cents. July new crop currently 38 cents higher at 888 a bushel. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped a nickel to a dollar ninety. Forty pound block cheese was down seven and a quarter at one ninety five and a half. Double A butter down seven and a half at two fifty eight and three quarters per pound. Now March milk is unchanged, currently at twenty one ninety a hundredweight, but April finished on Friday down seventy five cents at twenty two forty eight a hundredweight. Remember the latest on the Russian Ukraine situation and more at MidwestFarmReport.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle, and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? 
A Skincare Minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler like Restylane Lift is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center We're the getter, fix, getter, done To get you going, guys Off Highway 51 in McFarland A stone's throw from McDonald's Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots It's all we know this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Time again to visit with our Wisconsin soybean growers about how their checkoff dollars are being spent and some of the exciting things that are happening right here in the state with ripple effects beyond. Uh, if you were a part of the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo this year that took place back in uh, February, you uh, may have had an opportunity to feel the energy of what's happening with Wisconsin Soybean Program. Joining us today is Tony Melanthan. He is a, a board member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association as well as a board representative with the United Soybean Board. So, Tony, you were there. I love to tell your story, Tony, because I guess you, you're you kind of one of those guys, a non-traditional guy that ended up being in getting involved with the Soybean Association, board responsibilities, and now, like you say, uh, representing us on the national scene. Tell people how you got started. Yeah, Pam. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'll, I'll have to admit, I don't know if I've been called non-traditional before, but uh, I'll take it. No, I got started. I back in 2016. I took part of the du- back then. It was called the Dupont Young Leader Program. Now it's Corteva. Um, however, I just. Uh, I found out about that program and it interests me and I applied and was selected to be a part of it. Um, and then from there, I'll just say my, I don't like to call them responsibilities. I call them opportunities. My opportunities from there snowballed. I took part of that program, came onto the state policy board, um, did some great things there um, for our farmers in the state of Wisconsin. And now for the past two and a half years, I have also served at the national level on the national checkoff board. It wasn't necessarily responsibilities you uh, saw coming your way, though, were they, Tony? No, they were not. Um, you know, if you would have asked me six, seven years ago uh, when I first applied for that program, I would have said that I found that program interesting. Um, part of the benefits of the program, of course, is the free trip to Commodity Classic. <laughs> However, I never would have imagined that these opportunities would have ever presented themselves or ever present themselves in such a uh, 
uh, timely fashion for myself. Right. Now, uh, Tony farms in northwest Wisconsin, and part of the reason why I said he's non-traditional, sometimes it's a generational thing, involvement in the board, involvement in the association. Tell us a little bit about your operation, Tony. Right. So my my dad and I, we farm up here in O'Galley, Wisconsin. Uh, for those of you who don't know that area, it's close to Eau Claire and Menominee. Um, we're a corn and soybean operation, um, grow a few thousand acres of each. And one thing that's special about our operation is we partner with local livestock farmers, um, both in, uh, I guess, land management and feed needs. I guess, is, is the best way to put it. Excellent. Well, Tony's along with us because he's one of the friendly faces that I saw during the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Help people understand, Tony. I mean, you know, we know that weather's always going to cause us issues. Do we stay home and take care of them on the farm? Do we try to make the trip to something like Corn Soy Expo? Help them understand what you get, not only in that board meeting scene, but on the trade show floor, in the educational breakouts, in hallway conversations, when you go to Corn Soy Expo. Right. So not only is it a great place to meet other farmers and learn, I'll say this, the everything we've been hearing from our farmer m- members over the last year or so is to get back to some type of normal, get back to what it was when it comes to the Corn Soy Expo. And I'll say this year, we did that with resounding success. We had a great lineup of speakers. Um, I The breakout sessions that I took part of, just about every room was packed full. Everyone wanted to hear from our, whether it would be our extension specialists like Sean Conley or Rodrigo Worley, um, or someone talking about markets or weather. And then you go to the trade show. And I set, when I would set foot in the trade show in between these sessions, uh, the amount of farmers that were at that trade show talking to the vendors, the amount of vendors that we had, um, you know, it it felt normal again, and, and it was a good feeling. Right, absolutely. And, you know, that's just it. It's not just about the information you pick up in those breakout sessions. But, boy, I saw a lot of farmers that had the opportunity to work from one vendor to another and get a lot of their production questions answered face-to-face with people they work with. Right, and... So that's, you know, something that you don't realize until you have the opportunity to take part of the Corn Soy Expo. But uh, I guess a real world example for us on our farm, and this was back before, uh, you know, I started going, my dad would go to the Corn Soy Expo and that's actually who he met. And that's who does all of our grain bin setup work now. Mm -hmm. And so it was the Corn Soy Expo that brought that relationship together and now, you know, that's, in our eyes, a, a partner in our operation as we work through, you know, not only what we need now, what we'll need into the future, and have some type of strategic plan in place for how we're going to accomplish that. Well, and you make a good point. Farmers are all about face-to-face experiences. Uh, for people that think they solve all their needs by a Google search, that's not really the way farmers generally operate, is it, Tony? No, it's not. I mean, maybe that gets you started, but by the time you actually need to make a decision and you need need to find out your information, it's still that face-to-face interaction that essentially gets the job done. And in my opinion, there's no better place 
in the entire Midwest to do that than the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw folks, obviously, from the state, but there's a lot of people that make the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo their destination. We had some visitors all the way up from Texas just taking in the quality of the show. So when you look forward to the 2023 event, Tony, what kinds of things are you hoping for or thinking will be featured during Corn Soy Expo? And maybe a little nudge for growers that have never been there or missed it this year to get kind of keep that on their radar for next year and those vendors that may have been hesitant on what kind of crowd was going to be there to come back. What are you looking forward to next year? Right. So I'll, I'll start out by saying this, no matter what you're looking for in a, whether it be a trade show or informational uh, seminars, the corn soy expo has it, whether you want to learn about markets, you want to learn about weed control, you want to learn about uh, soybean production, corn production, or if you even just want to learn about the weather and what the trends are, the Corn Soy Expo has that year in and year out. And then as far as the trade show floor goes, you know, it's hard to explain if you've never been to one, but the amount of ideas that a farmer can have when he or she walks through that trade show floor about what's the next step in my operation. Um, maybe it's working with a marketing consultant. Maybe it's a grain bin setup, or maybe it's just some new technology that yeah, maybe you've heard about, but you don't really know about it and you want to see it in person. Um, I can say with uh, pretty good likelihood it will be at the Corn Soy Expo. Right. And when you bring that kind of audience together, chances are if you keep your ears open, you might hear from a farmer right across the aisle from you that's been doing it. So you've got that practical connection, too. Absolutely. You know, you talk to other farmers from around the state or, you know, quite frankly, around the country who come to this expo, if you have a question about something, chances are there's a farmer there that's done it, has tried it. Um, and honestly, you can get all the information from company reps, but if you hear from a farmer and hear not only the successes he or she had with what they tried, but the failures and how um, they either overcame that failure to make that product work on their farm or Maybe, you know what, maybe it doesn't work. And that saved you money right there by knowing, yeah, I don't need to try that. Yeah, and it's amazing. They, they're usually pretty straightforward with those kind of answers, aren't they, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Farmers are very good at letting you know if something did not work. So. <laughs> very good. Well, like we said, we just wanted to do a quick recap from the 2022 show and casting our eyes on Corn Soy Expo 2023. Tony Mellenthin again along with us, a corn soybean grower from northwest Wisconsin who continues to serve on the Wisconsin Soybean Association Board and now has found himself in leadership responsibilities representing the state on the United Soybean Board as well. So again, like we said, your checkoff dollars spent in a lot of different ways. Research, education, and promotion are what they're all about. Want to find out more? Go to badgerbean.com. Coolbean.info will keep you posted on